Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. Our guest today is Michael Edison Hayden. He's a senior investigative reporter and spokesperson for the Southern Poverty Law Center. He's also the steward for the Southern Poverty Law Center's union. Michael's previous work saw him based out of Mumbai, India, and he's appeared in a number of publications, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Al Jazeera America, Financial Times, Slate, the Times of London, and many others. More recently, you may have seen him on MSNBC discussing the fascist-friendly gala held by the New York Young Republican Club. Michael has reported on far-right extremists for a number of years now, and we've been following his work since the early days of the Trump presidency. You would be hard-pressed to find anyone who understands the tactics and goals of extremists of various stripes in the United States right now. Recently, Michael and his colleague at the SPLC, Megan Squire, released a series of articles which analyzed thousands of leaked text messages sent and received from the personal cell phone of InfoWars founder Alex Jones. There's a lot to unpack in these texts, and you should really go read the piece that Michael and Megan recently published if you haven't already. We will link it in the description of this episode, and we can't recommend it enough. For now, we're extremely lucky and grateful to have Michael on the show with us to break down some of the details. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe to the newsletter at didnothingwrongpod.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. We've got a great show for you today. Thanks for joining us. Michael, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to Did Nothing Wrong. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Absolutely. And first off, we wanted to say we're really impressed that you and Megan managed to go through all of these text messages, but really, you also showed your research skills by lining up the text messages he received and showing that content that people sent him actually ended up on his show, sometimes yeah. same day. You pieced together a lot of fragments like that and turned it into a coherent narrative. Can you tell us what ended up surprising you the most when you were putting this story together? I think, you know, I think that, you know, if I if I had to pin it to one particular thing, it's not so much surprising um, because I it's tough to be surprised by Jones at this point. I mean, this is a guy who is who has done such horrible things that that, you know, your my capacity for imagination with him is 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 pretty broad. Like I can imagine him doing almost anything. Um, it's more the repetition of what we would categorize as like male supremacist themes, which is something that as a guy, uh, I kind of don't notice immediately with, with InfoWars when I'm watching it, right? Like it's not the first thing that comes to mind. The first thing you think about is the disinfo, um, right. think about, you know, the, the, the narratives that get spun to try to turn, um, you know, Trump's base in, in, in one direction or the other. And you think of like, yeah, there's a lot of um, anti-immigrant big, bigotry and stuff like that, but it's really the disinfo and lies told about things like Sandy Hook and Pizzagate, things like that. That's what, that's what you think of first. And it was only in, in reading the personal life and just seeing how he uh, behaves and the people he associates with that you see these repetition themes around uh, around women. And, um, yeah, I, I sort of can't really, I, I can't really look at anything from the radical right beat again, the same way after it. <laughs> is that, is that a newer shift? Yeah, it's not, it's not really a newer shift. It's, it, it, it's, 
So, so I, I, you know, I really see like hate is a business, right? So, um, and, and we know that there's so much grifting going on. That's why it's like people say, oh, this person's not dangerous. They're just grifters. And it's actually, the reality is that it's, it's both, right? Everybody who's got a grift going uh, in the, in the algorithm era is also got a scapegoat um, that they chase. And I really see more and more now, this is a change, people focusing on the LGBTQ community and focusing on women, right? And we see those that also has avenues in real policy based on all the like anti-LGBTQ policies around the country that are springing up. I mean, just and and just just recently, three states had recently restored the right to bear arms to to felons, uh, people who who had been convicted of domestic violence. Um, so. It's re- th- those are things that are kind of institutionalized and they seem like the safer thing and it kind of helps with this coalition, this American fascist coalition, if that makes sense. Um, these these folks that are like, you know, like the Proud Boys and stuff like that, who, who are not like explicitly white nationalists, but are comfortable with white nationalists, but also deal with a lot of, uh, yeah, I mean, deal with a, sort of a multiracial coalition of extremists. Yeah, we... We did an episode really recently on Nick Fuentes, and he's got kind of a reputation sort of as being a, you know, a grifter and maybe not necessarily being all that bad. But I found when we were digging through clips of this guy, he's just terrible. The stuff oh, that horrible. that dude says is just the worst. And realizing yeah, like who his audience is, it definitely makes one take the whole thing a whole lot more seriously when you realize that, you know, they're pumping some of these themes into kids, you know, as young as like 11 and 12, they say. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and some of them uh, are going to get worse, right? Some of them are going to leave and give it up and, and find girlfriends and <laughs> whatever. And, uh, and they may become liberals. They may, uh, you know, life is, is, is complex, takes people in a lot of different directions, but they also, I think uh, can get worse from Nick Fuentes and it can be a stepping stone to something uh, much more dangerous. Right. Right. No, I just, I, I think it's interesting with male supremacy that you talk about. It seems like there used to be more, the Mike Cernoviches, the people that were, that was just all they did. You know, that was their shtick. That was their thing. But it seems like today, all of these guys are they've they've branched out. They're male supremacists, but they're also anti-vax or they're also attack, talking about the deep state and all these various things. I, I guess that was my what I was curious about with Jones. I, I know he's probably always been OK with us, but yeah, it, it is. It's the treatment. It's, it's the way he treats women in real life that is on display in these texts. Right. Um, right. That reinforces the rhetoric, I guess, for me, is that if that makes sense, it, yeah. makes it, much, much more, it makes it much more real to me. And it kind of is a wake up call to pay stronger attention to this material when it comes up. I think we, we all of them are misogynists, right? Like everybody in this world, right? Is I guess, I guess we're a, a clearer way of where I'm going. But, you know, experiencing the text made me want to pay att- pay stronger attention to that thread. And, and I feel like as a guy, I neglect it uh, sometimes. Right, definitely. And that is really shocking and disturbing to see just how bad it gets with him personally in terms of how he, his personal views and opinions and, you know, hiring ex-Blackwater Mercs to stalk his wife. That's just really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then, and then who knows with that incident in the car that's described. Right. <laughs> so he does not sound like a particularly happy individual, obviously from the texts, from everything you guys found, he's, 
Do you think he would quit InfoWars at this point if he could? Or do you think without it, his life would just collapse even further? So um, that's a good question. I, I actually don't know. Uh, like, What would that, you know, what would a world exist in which he could quit InfoWars? This is part of the problem. Once you're Alex Jones, like, what are you going to do? Go become a ditch digger or something? Like, right. it's really difficult to imagine him transitioning into a different career path, right? Like what he, he's, 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 he's so far into who he is. I mean, you know, I mean, the longer you are something, the harder it is to become something else. And right. um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it happens for, for people like, you know, let's say like there's a filmmaker who wants to make music or music or even, even that, like you become, people know you for a particular thing. It becomes very difficult to be seen as anything else. So um it's hard for me to imagine now in a scenario where he was just a poster and he could just jump off and, and have another job and disappear. Yeah. I think he, I think he definitely would at this point. Um, you know, I, I do, I think he would, I think he probably would have liked to go back in time and, and, and not mm. do what he did in Sandy hook. I mean, it's not regret for what he did. I don't think he's remorseful, but I think he is understands that there is a level of, um, harm that he did to himself that he can never repair. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to the plaintiffs for bringing on that lawsuit. Right. Right. He's always going to be who he is as a result of that. He's never, never going to shake yeah. that. Yeah. hundred percent. And, 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 and also the, he, he may not have the ac- access to the amount of money, uh, that he, he would have otherwise. I mean, like he, this, this guy is making a lot of money. Uh, and we're going to, in part five of this, you're going to see like how he's doing it. Is he ever going to pay it off if he keeps doing this? It's what one point five billion in damages that he owes right now. Do you think he'll ever, ever repay that? I don't think he will, and I'm not sure that it matters. Hmm. Um, I mean, it certainly. Uh, I don't think that the reason why, um, and I don't want to speak on their behalf. I don't. I don't think the reason why the plaintiffs took this on is uh, in order to you know just to just get money yeah I, I don't I, I don't think they're just like you know oh like we they get what money they can uh, the, right. you know tactically it's about principle and mm-hmm. it's about setting a precedent for future generations uh, and it's also um, you know it's a if you look at for instance the case and as somebody I know personally very well is Tanya Gersh who is the um, hmm. uh, woman in Whitefish Montana and before I came to SPLC, a uh, very famous kind of history-making lawsuit SPLC did which really made me want to work there, uh, which they sued Anglin um, and the Daily Stormer over this this troll storm they they kind of brought upon um, Tanya Gersh. Uh, we don't need to get into all the details of that, but, I mean, her life was threatened, her children were threatened, um, and really just because she was a Jewish person in, in Montana and had some uh, run-in with... Richard Spencer's mother. And these lawsuits like Sandy Hook and the, you know, the Anglin lawsuit are landmark lawsuits. These are important. These are the most important lawsuits going. Uh, They're history making, in my opinion. Um, And the reason why is because this is all new territory. We like we didn't have this is Internet conspiracy, disinfo, hate stuff. This is a new generation of stuff. It's not 
okay, like, you know, the clan did right. X, Y, Z in the physical realm. This is, this is about what you can say and how you say it. Uh, and I think the, the most important thing for those, for the, for the plaintiffs is that there is some sort of accountability for people spreading lies, you know, in the way that he did. Yes. And to what you said about the lawsuit and it making you want to kind of work for the SPLC, when I was younger, I grew up in a town called Spokane, Washington, and we had a group over across the way in Hayden Lake, Idaho, called the Aryan Nations, run by a guy named Richard Butler. And they were terrible. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the punk rock scene, going to shows. These people would show up and start fights, start problems. And finally, they went a little too far. They a couple of their security guards fired off some shots at some people who happened to be lost on their property. And the SPLC helped those people sue the Aryan Nations literally out of business. Those people yeah. ended up out. And ever since then, yeah. it's been like, yeah, the SPLC. These are the guys that finally took care of, you know, the Aryan Nations when nothing else really could. So I hear yeah. what you're saying totally about, yes, the lawsuits matter. Yeah, and the lawsuits matter. And also that the, fo- you know, the people who, who handle this Sandy Hook lawsuit to be um, to get these texts is important because we these are our allies. And- right. Totally. Totally. So. The InfoWars audience, as you know, isn't real likely to read your article, but if they did, what do you think their response to this would be? Do you think they'd care that their beloved host is this completely sloppy mess of a person? Well, whether they read it or not, I I think they may uh, read it, actually. Uh, I think there's a chance. I know one thing for sure, because we interviewed a few former employees of InfoWars uh, for the story to just kind of support the text and provide color. And uh, they told me, uh, or at least um, Drucker told me, uh, the guy who's mentioned a few times in that first one, he told me, because he was because he's in the office at the time some of our reporting came out, that everybody in the office was reading it. And that, to me, is like a whole other tier above the, the fans, right? The idea that these folks who work there are reading it is very important because Jones is without, you know, his, the number of allies that he supposedly has, uh, has is diminished, you know, for, according to these sources with whom I spoke. You know, people are kind of starting to jump ship on him. And uh, if we can further inform the people that work there or they can see contacts, right? Like as a, as a, as a, as a union steward, right? We know sometimes you'll be like dealing with a situation, uh, an employment situation. You don't, you're like, what is this weird? Do I like, is this even weird? Like what I'm in, is this weird? Um, or is this just normal? And, um, sometimes you need the context of speaking to people um, in other departments, you're speaking to people elsewhere or whatever to find out that, yeah, this is actually, egregious behavior. This is something that is not typical for a workplace. Just like any, like if you're in a marriage and something is, you know, so some partner is abusive or whatever. So reaching those people who work at InfoWars and informing them of what is happening behind the scenes at their own place of work uh, is, I think, the, the ultimate prize. Those are the most important clicks on the whole story. And I, th- I think it's going to get to them. Uh, and I think that they, because... Uh, of the nature of of Jones as a boss, it's a different relationship. You may come in as a fan, but once you become a boss, then it becomes different because bosses, uh, you know, they're not always great. And right. you know, it's it, it, you know, you sometimes uh, like I've had I had great bosses and I've had not so good. You know, the folks that um, are not so good, uh, and I'm sure Jones is not uh, in a lot of ways. 
look, just just look at the text, right? He's not paying people on time. Uh, he's um, he's drunk early. The, those folks need to know that this that how other people feel about that world. So that's that's the first thing, and put a pin on that. And then just quickly about question about the fans and reach them. Probably not is the answer to that. But <laughs> I will just say say that um, you, what you're going to find out just to preview something uh, that's coming in part five. I mean, he's doing markups as high as like nine hundred percent. Uh, to, to, to these to these fans, right? And if they are going to, you know, I mean, like they need to know. Yeah. And this is just stuff in the Infowars store you're talking about, but that's crazy. We're going to find out uh, about that part five. I mean, this is like this is a real. Um, I mean, this is this this is really 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 sketchy stuff in my opinion. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I mean, there are stuff apparently in the Infowars store that is of reasonable quality, you know, compared to other things that are similar. Like, I don't know, maybe the coffee might be good or whatever. So this is based on former employees where they would get it at a, 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 a rate that is not marked up for like whatever. And you just go, oh, I've got a thing of coffee or whatever. And then the coffee is like good quality coffee or something. I'm not sure. Right. But he's selling the, 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 the markups that they are using for these folks is, are so extreme. <laughs> and the level of connection, uh, the palpable, palpable connection between Jones pushing disinfo and then pushing the the these products is it. Yeah, you, you're going to still get some gullible folks in there, but I mean, if anybody has reading comprehension at all, they're going to understand that like. I should probably spend my money at uh, at Stop and Shop or right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you've got a promo code that's 10% off on something that's marked up 900%, uh, I feel like you're still getting taken there, but they do love their promo codes. But by a guy who's been drinking vodka since, since he woke up. Well, and that's, that's what I want to ask you. What I find interesting is that he's able to still hide some of this from his employees. I know you mentioned in the article that I think they have three different buildings. So is he able to kind of... He, so the, the employees know about the alcohol because he's asking them for vodka, right? You see this bring vodka to the con room, right? Right. <laughs> um, so so they know he's drinking. I mean, it's like a it, it, it's it, it is an open secret um, that he is he's intoxicated most of the time. And, and in fact, Drucker said, you know, on the record in there that he had a his quote was that they they would have a like a, a white Dixie cup in his hand uh, <laughs> all the time. And then nine out of ten times it had vodka in it. So he's not drinking water and coffee. He's drinking no. vodka most of the time. <laughs> and yeah, the, the texts are just, I mean, there's more vodka texts coming. I mean, like in the business. Oh world. my God. Which <laughs> <laughs> is sort of like uh, somebody comes to him and it's like, Hey, we sold, uh, you know, XYZ of brain force so much of like alpha brain, uh, this, that, and the other thing. And his response is just like, bring vodka to the conference room. Like it's like, <laughs> You know, it's, it's wild. Uh, so they know about it already. This is a level of, um, you know, I am not, you know, I'm careful about how, what kind of language I use or whatever. I'm not going to diagnose him as an alcoholic. Uh, you can, you know, discern whatever you want from the, these comments about drinking early in the morning and all this stuff and the amount of vodka. Uh, but I would say he functions scarily well. You know, right? Like it's 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 almost scary. Like that that 
um, somebody could be in that state and and still be like running this business. Um, it's kind of wild, in fact. No kidding, no kidding. I mean, he's it puts a whole new spin on some of the rants that you hear him go on to think that, wow, yeah, this guy might've been somewhat intoxicated when he said all of that. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we know Jones got banned from a lot of social media and streaming platforms, but you know, obviously he's still around and producing content. Do you have any sense or estimate of the size of the, Infowars audience or its reach these days? Do people still take this guy pretty seriously? We need, we need to get that. We need to get part five out. That's what needs to happen because there is um, there's a lot of an, uh, a de- like what, what appears to be deception going on, and that may be uh, you know we we've written about um, how his friend Nick Fuentes has worked with Michael Zimmerman, and uh, we wrote about how uh, you know Michael Zimmerman. Um, you know, try to inflate view counts essentially uh-huh. uh, for um, uh, for Nick Fuentes' broadcast, make it seem like more people are watching than not. Keep in mind, all I would say as a teaser is that keep in mind that Michael Zimmerman uh, has been a collaborator at InfoWars uh, since 2015, hmm. <laughs> right out of school, and um, was working at Fuentes' Uh, cozy TV at the same time he was working at InfoWars. There's overlap. Right. So just keep in mind that. Um, so yeah, I don't mean to say that there is no audience for him. Like, you know, there's no audience at all. But I think the audience is less than it would appear. And I would imagine that his prospects are for... Um, I, I think Jones's influence on the culture has... Uh, crested a little bit <laughs> and he it is starting to roll back and if um you know and stories like this are going to play a big role in that right you mentioned also in the article that he didn't contest the release of these texts considering how bad they make him look that is very surprising to us at least do you have a theory on why he didn't fight this i don't i i cannot tell you why I cannot tell you why. Um, and like it, it boggles the mind. It seems like that there was a lot of incompetency going on, and and yeah. then and then and then they gave up. Um, if you've ever been in any kind of like any kind of situation where you know the stakes are high in some way, like you could lose your job, and you're dealing with somebody on the other side who is not doing their their diligence, right? They're not doing their 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 thing. I think this is like one of those. Right. Right. It's hard to imagine. A situation in which anyone just seemed more overwhelmed and unprepared and unable to deal with the consequences they were facing. And so, therefore, I really think that the plaintiffs uh, were able to walk all over them. Do you remember? I don't know if anybody watches football, but I'm a Jets fan, obviously. And, um, you know, when Mark Sanchez, like, never really recovered from when he did the butt fumble, he basically ran into the back of the center dropped the ball and then the Patriots ran it back for time. It was one of the most embarrassing looking fumbles, arguably of all time. And you know, I still use yeah, the remember fumble that. to yep. describe things. This is like that, man. I mean, they they, they just turned this phone over. It, it just in an unforced error. And then they made no effort to try to protect it. It just mentally broke him, like you said, when he did that. It was just never really the same with that guy after the butt fumble. And yeah, know. exactly. This is the, it could be a similar situation. I just don't understand. I don't understand. Like, it's like telegraphing, like, hey, if you don't do this, it's like, you know, 
like like there's some sort of debt notice like if you don't pay this like whatever bill you're you know there's going to be some kind of whatever and, and and all you really have to do is a few annoying things right you're going to lose your driver's license if you don't right. uh, go to the DMV by like whatever day just but there's some people that just they don't care or they still think it's never going to happen or they just forget i i can't even imagine like a 4d chess scenario here there there's just nothing but maybe maybe it's that simple he's just yeah i i uh, it could be that i think that there's a something interesting here um a parallel because the baked into the worldview that jones uh espouses are so many things that kind of deny warnings and reality right like the only reason we are still talking about covid and they like is, are these grievances about warning about possibilities of covid like right like they, they're still upset about they're still upset they're still upset that covid just exists right like it's just like this thing and uh you know like i think any reasonable person should understand that like we had to take precaution. We had to do certain things. Like we, we didn't know, right. People could die. Um, and yeah, I, I, undoubtedly, like there's some overreach here or there in some places, you know, science was not entirely clear and all this, but people had to do something. People were dying at a massive rate or whatever. This denialism, like same with the climate, right. Where it's just not happening. I don't want this to happen. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want this to happen. I don't want the world to like disappear because, because of, um, uh, because of carbon emissions and stuff, I, I you know, it, it's, it's just not, it, it's, it's unwillingness to deal with reality. And it's so, um, it's so pervasive in, in, in the, the, the right wing. Right. Definitely. So how do you think that the people like Alex's personal trainer justify working with him or for him? I mean, he's got this personal trainer, but the personal trainer is also the personal vodka delivery guy in the middle of the day. And these two things seem to be slightly at odds. And then you got the Blackwater guy, the ex-Blackwater guy, basically stalking Erica Wolf Jones. Are these people sociopaths desperate for work? Do they just like the money? What's, what's motivating them to keep doing this? (sighs) (laughs) this is is a real really a tough question isn't it um so i do okay like i'm just gonna put a pin in michael zimmerman for a second um and say that that he is an extremist uh i think he's really radicalized that guy based upon based upon everything we know about him about him um you know registering the Christchurch domains working with Nick Fuentes right uh, this is a guy we monitor for being an extremist right so that put a pin in him i right. think with the majority of people who work there that alex jones is a beloved celebrity um in right wing circles for many of the reasons why uh people, liberals, leftists, whomever, uh, enjoy playing his clips. Uh, he's a tremendous showman. He says things that make people laugh. Um, he's very, 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 very engaging. Like he's just, if you take the material out, he's, he, he is a, a carnival barker, uh, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Right. Right. And he's like, if there's a, there's a thing that kind of is discussed heavily in the text, um, because he 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 wants to show everybody how everyone's reacting to it and how viral it went, is he said, you know, if you're a leftist, 
Uh, I'm telling you, and the, whatever shit gets, whatever, uh, I will eat your ass. I'll eat your ass. I will eat your ass. I will eat your ass first. I will eat your ass. You can look at it. Just, 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 you remember it went viral in 2020. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, he's just, and there's, there's, there's music clips were made of it and all this stuff. And it was shared, not just by right wing people. It was shared by, by people who disagree with Jones in every possible way, because it's just, it's, it's wild because he just lowers his voice. He goes, and I warn you when things get, I will eat your ass. I will eat your ass. I will eat your leftist ass. <laughs> and it's, real, it's funny to me, too. It's funny to me, too. So, like, these folks who get into on this, maybe they're libertarians. Many of them are, by the way. In te- it's Texas, by the way. Okay? So that's one other thing. A lot of these people work in Texas and work in Austin. So there's a lot of libertarians. Um, you know, they like the Second Amendment. Um, they don't want the government in their whatever. Alex Jones is like a hero in that world. Like he was, uh, he wasn't only associated with this hard right, you know, neo-fascist Trumpism shit. Uh, he has a history and it's a little bit more complex, right? Right. So all these, he's an icon. He's been in Richard Linklater movies. Well, he had hits in all of those like Ancient Aliens, all those shows on like Discovery Channel. They cut to yeah. him as like a source, and you're watching that later. You're like, what? Uh, and then you realize, yeah, 2013, 2014, he wasn't this guy. We are all trying to be, you know, there's a strong desire to be seen in this world for all of us. And uh, it's really hard uh, to overcome because of just the nature of society and everything like that. I mean, it is a really shallow and stupid culture we live in right now. Um you know, for, for many people getting like a, you know, somebody who's like a celebrity or something involved, like, Hey, uh, you know, whatever actor just retweeted me and whatever, I mean, I think uh-huh. to something that they can tell their friends about and whatever. And maybe it'll rub off on them a little. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my sister, my sister worked for a number of Hollywood actors, um, doing their social media, uh, for a while. And, it, it was horrible. I won't mention who they were, but they, you know, when you get the job, it's like, oh yeah, I'm on the phone with this person. And it's like, wow, that sounds good for a week until you realize this person is just a piece of shit and just really <laughs> tell, you know, treats them badly. So I think for many of them, it's like this proximity to celebrity is real. Like Jones is a big celebrity in that world. It's like, right. um, he's, uh, He's a star, and he's a star who has access to Trump, who has access to people in Trump's world. If you like Trump, uh, a lot of people who are not extremists do, uh, unfortunately. I mean, he's done. It's, it's very hard to quantify who's an extremist and who isn't in the Trump world because uh, he kind of took over a lot of the Republican machinery. Uh, right. So it's you know you can't say all these people are Nazis. That's not true. Um, so I think a lot of folks, it's like that. And then you get to working for him, and um, it becomes your identity. I work for Alex Jones. That becomes a thing that's cool. That you want to tell people is cool. And then you're not stepping out of that world to see context about how you're behaving. In the case of Tim Enlow, right. uh, Drucker said that he was a good guy who just got caught up in Alex's. I can see. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, it's too illegal for me. You know, I mean, it would be the thing. I, I can't say I'm not a, um, I, I, I can't say it's illegal because I, it just would feel illegal to me. Um, and I don't know if there's going to be prosecutions for this or not, or if there'd be an indictment or something. But it is, um, you know, 
I, I would think that somebody who has experience as a police officer should know better than to do something like that. Right. Um, so, you know, on Anlo's front, on, on some of these other people, Jesus, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, as for his personal trainer, I mean, it's like you're Alex Jones's personal trainer. It's like, okay, well, like how much is he paying? We don't know how much he's paying him. Is he paying like a, you know, is he getting, let, let, let's say this guy makes $150,000 a year as a personal trainer and, and, and the overwhelming majority of that money is coming from Alex Jones. I mean, at some point you just, you kind of take one for the team and say, well, it's a job, it's a living, you know, he's yeah, going to do what it's, he's going to do. Wild. It's, 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 it's wild. And, and, um, it's very easy for someone to say, well, why didn't you quit? Why didn't you, uh, whatever. Um, when I worked for Newsweek for, it was an eight month period. It feels like it was eight years, but, uh, it was only an eight month period. And that's where I did a, a lot of my early radical right reporting. Right. Um, and we see now what's happened in Newsweek, right? Like it's really, it's, it's really fucked up. Um, but, um, you know, at the time I knew things were bad. I knew things were bad. I knew things were corrupt. Um, and I, I, I did not feel good about it. And it's very easy to say, well, why didn't you just quit? Why didn't you just quit? I mean, because I had a child who was not even in kindergarten. I had a, at the time, uh, I had another child who was just born uh, within a month that I was there. Um, and this is around the time I'm realizing how corrupt it is. It was, it, it, I got out, but, um, I was not, I did not have the luxury of some of the younger people at Newsweek who quit, you know, they, they were, they were like 23, 24, they were able to quit. I did not, I had to go transition to another job. So I was at Storyful for six months and then I, um, then I eventually got to SPLC, which is where I really wanted to work. Right. I, yeah. I hear that not being able to just walk out on something you have to, the more adult you get, the more responsibilities you get at some point, you have to plan your exit a little better than what you can do when you're a little younger and you don't quite have the level of responsibilities. Yeah. Um, these are adults. I mean, this, the, you know, this is Pat Riley guy. I'm not trying to make um, excuses for him, but I mean, I, I don't know how he feels about like, you know, or not about getting a text message about the vodka. He must feel he like, and then he responds within three seconds. Like, yes, I get your vodka. He must feel, uh, you know, if he, if, if he is capable of seeing himself at a distance, he's going to feel a little ashamed. I think at a certain point you can probably imagine that they're saying, well, it's bad, but it'd be worse if I wasn't here or I'm, I'm restraining him in some way. I, there has to be like some sort of attachment that they build up and think, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I shouldn't probably be doing this, but maybe I can save him from himself a little. I, it's hard to know what is going on in their own minds, but I could see that being part of the rationale at least. Right. So we have to ask you about the woman that Jones calls Pat Johnson in his phone. Yeah. Which is an alias Jones uses for a woman he either is or was having an affair with. You mentioned in the article that Pat Johnson repeatedly shares links to right-wing articles to Jones, and Jones, in turn, appears to have used at least some of this material on his subsequent shows. Can you yeah. make any sense of this for us? Why is his apparent mistress also his source for material? Is this something they bonded over? or Yeah, so this uh, I can see how this might seem conspiratorial even, like where it's somebody like trying to plant things like into it. so uh even right like I, I i could see that but knowing i know who pat johnson is and you know the reason we made a choice not to 
early on um, not to ID this person. And the reason why is because marriages and families are complex and right. Okay. This person is, uh, you know, is married and has children and people have affairs for a lot of reasons and um, people regret things that they do. And I did not want to be the person. I mean, a number of things could have happened. Uh, This person could have already come clean about their affair with, with Jones and, and be trying to reconcile with their husband. Right. And uh, they could be sorry. And also I think sometimes when people have affairs, uh, they can also, you know, uh, affairs or any relationships that are, that are new or um, whatever you can, you know, the sharing of links. I mean, you know, it could be just to impress somebody by showing them their interests. Right. Like, so let's say, let's, I mean, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm with somebody who is a, uh, you know, an architect, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and I'm like, Oh, you know, here's a bunch of links about architecture. And it's like, you know, I don't know if this person, like it's difficult to tell from the thing, you know, if this person is like really, really, really in the shit, right. was not exactly sending like, it was links and it was sort of like, I mean, do I know for a fact that she believes this stuff or is interested in pandemic or whatever, or is she just trying to get Jones's attention by showing him things that she thinks he'll like? I would, I would like to know, was it unique to Pat Johnson or were there a lot of texts? Cause I know you didn't, you didn't mention every single text you went through and there's some stuff you didn't include. I'm, I'm guessing because it just didn't really match up with the story were there a lot of people sending him material or was this more unique to Pat Johnson? Uh, Joe Rogan sends him some stuff. Really? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. And that's, that story is going to be out um, next week. Okay. But um, yeah, that, that's a very, that's a really interesting one. That's an interesting (laughs) one. The Joe Rogan one. Um, I think you'll, I, I think, I, it's hard to see how these were going to be received and are not received um, by folks. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily spin off a ton of like additional reporting in part because uh, the stories are really self-contained. There's not much you can like really break off as a scoop, but boy, that one's an interesting one. Basically the, we had for a top line there that, that Jones tried to get, I mean, he, he basically tried to get Andrew Tate onto the Joe Rogan experience. And we focus on his text mm-hmm. with Rogan Tate. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, but that's a side thing. The, uh, yeah, the Pat Johnson thing, I mean, he's listening to Pat Johnson because they're having an affair. Um, or they appear to be. And, um, yeah, it's not like people are trying to get their stuff onto InfoWars all the time. It's actually, she was, and she didn't seem to be wanting to. She just kind of like, Hey, you may have missed this, or whatever. And she usually sends him a lot of links while she's kind of waiting for him to come over. Oh, okay. Got it. That makes a lot more sense. Interesting. Yeah. So she's just kind of like, Hey, this is what I, you know, I mean, it's like, what do you have in common with, if you're having an affair with Alex Jones, you know, what, what can you, what can you talk about? What else can you talk about? Yeah. What are his other interests other than vodka? (laughs) You know, I have friends that I message about music with, um, because we're interested in that. I have friends that I uh, message about sports with. I have uh, friends that we have like philosophical discussions about, about politics and about who could win and what, you know, scenario is and kind of 
you know, gaming out, you know, what, what, what it would take for like Ron DeSantis to win and all these type of things. Yeah. Friends that you, if you, if you saw my text, you'd see that stuff. And when you see Jones's text on the whole, you don't, you don't see that. You don't see like that. He needs to get home to watch the Cowboys. Like, you don't see him. The random one-offs are like Milo asking him to do a book blurb. It's not <laughs> right. His whole world is really Infowars, and that's that. That is the it, his whole world is Infowars, and what I would describe as like pain, you know, pain wow. and sometimes sometimes sex. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's the kind of thing that you read it, and if it was anybody else, you'd find yourself feeling extremely sorry for that person. That was what I got out of it. Was like, wow, this sounds like an absolutely miserable existence. But it's Alex Jones. Yeah, yeah. My favorite reactions to it so far, and I I don't mean this like uh, ironically or sarcastically or anything, are the people who like. I almost felt I I felt bad for him um, until I remembered it was Alex Jones or whatever. Those are my favorite reactions because that's what I no. But seriously, I want I I, I want people to feel uh, something. Um, you know, I, I think that's a much more effective way at, at defanging him. Right. Just to realize how miserable a person this is that we're really dealing with I here. Mean, miserable, but also that just you know the, to anybody who's really thinking about going this route to go and make money off of this stuff. You know, you got to think twice. And, and, and I really think that this is also true of even the folks who, who just do this like uh heterodox, like, Oh, I'm uh, you know, truth telling about, you know, whatever good trans people and all that. anybody, anybody who hooks into this, um, into this kind of even a little bit with this reactionary world, it's like, it's not about anything other than, yeah, it's easy. It's rewarding. There's money. But as soon as you you get on that road, there is pain and self-destruction starting. And, you know, life becomes very dark. I don't think that if we've had Gavin McGinnis's text messages, and I can't, I, uh, we have his uh, text messages certainly with Alex, but I can't imagine that this is, you know, that he's having the best life at this point. Um this is a this is this is you know this is a trade off and a, a really bad trade off um, in life and these the, you know boring corny to have uh, spiritual values and money is not important and all that stuff but those things really do matter um, yeah. in terms of your own sense of self worth and um, when you trade it off uh, it, it, these are real sellouts here they they, they lose everything right. Okay, so we've talked about how horrible these people are, and we're we're still barely scratching the surface of all the awful things that they've done. And I'm curious to hear from you what you think it's going to take to decrease the relevance of these people, because at least some of them still have pretty devoted followings. Do you, you have any ideas for a realistic plan to clean up the information space so these guys don't get to drive so many conversations? So I'm going to I'm going to say something optimistic here which is I do think it's getting better. I think it's getting better even with Elon Musk like letting all these people back onto, onto onto Twitter for instance. I think it's getting better all the time. And that may be a surprising thing to hear, but um I think 
they, they, they're back on Twitter now, for instance, a lot of them. And you keep saying, they're like, we need to get the 2016 energy back. And I feel like the 2016 energy is back and stuff like that. You don't need to talk about the 2016 energy be, being back if it's back. You know, you're in a, you're in a moment where it's real. You're really impacting the culture. And I'm not saying that, they're, uh, that, that they don't have influence anymore. I'm just saying that we've actually made real progress and somebody like it's, it's almost like, you know, in, um, in the Grinch, you stole Christmas where like the Grinch is like, Oh, I'm going to rob all these people in Whoville on their Christmas. And then they're going to cry and they're going to feel, and then they don't. Right. This is like Elon Musk bringing all the extremists back onto Twitter and not really getting the effect is the way I feel. It's like, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just like, people are like, yeah, okay. It's fucking Carpe Dunctum again. Like, you know, <laughs> like, the shock value is, is worn off for a lot of it. Right. It's, it's like, yeah, he's getting engagement for sure. Um, but like, I don't know, but he's not resonating in the same way. It doesn't feel like, Oh my God, like it, Trump is gone. And, the energy, the vibe is they're not on the attack in the way they were. They're trying to be. They're trying to mm-hmm. look like they're on the attack, but it's not where it was. Kind of speaking of what you're saying here, the Twitter files and they keep posting those and it gets less and less interest. And it is very much paid attention to by the right and talked up. And why isn't the mainstream media talking about this? In 2016, the mainstream media would have covered the Twitter files like it was a real scandal. And in 2023, they are just ignoring it. And that that is a real difference. Yep, they're ignoring it, and it's also because there was a point to be made in 2016. I think about um, Hillary and people were talking about the influence of the, the, the cultural hegemony and like you know neoliberal neoliberalism and all this stuff. And like, yeah, there was a point to be made there. It was being made by a split between people who have legitimate concerns and bad actors. Right. And um, so that's made it complicated. Uh, and now in the post 2020 post um, J6 landscape, the kind of, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the liberal villains at Twitter um, <laughs> look like victims, quite frankly. And I think they, that, that perception is very clear to people. It's just like, sort of like, I mean, even if you're not crazy about that, and I'm going to crazy for different reasons. It's just sort of like this guy came in and bought this and like dumped them on their ass. And like, and, 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 and it's just like, we're supposed to be mad at these people. It's just um, very hard to do. I, I, it, and, and, and Taibi seems like a crank. He's on um, late night with like a Fox news, like looking completely unhinged. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's sort of like they, they cannot find, what, they can't get their hands on what they're looking looking for. They can't put their hands around um, this this energy that they felt that they had and and they had and they they barely had it. You know, Trump won by a very slim margin in twenty sixteen. Right. He lost uh, the popular vote, and it speaks to changes that have happened in the culture since that we don't feel that reverberation anymore. Now, yeah, how do we how do we make them people listen to them less? Um, you know, I'm argue. I would argue that I'm I'm doing that. I'm trying to do that. You know, it's not just me, but that yeah, I can only control myself. And uh, by publishing things about these folks that they don't want people to know, um, we can, or they don't want people out there, or sometimes even with framing that they don't want to see, like where our New York Young Republicans Club story oh, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> you know, they wanted to be seen at that thing, but they didn't want to be seen at that thing the way we were show them. And they didn't, you know, Jack Bezovic didn't want, you know, the master spy uh, intelligence man did not want <laughs> um, you know, us to be on top of uh, his arrival into into New York City, all the way to like, you know, to to him speaking and to be uh, to be speaking to me directly. He he would have done anything he could to avoid that, mm-hmm. and he has up until this point, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know, so that's that's the thing is like to just keep you know to keep doing it. I think we're doing it. It's the problem is there's no. There's no you fire two uh, like space tor- torpedoes into the defect in the Death Star and fly away. There is nothing like that. It is a slow process of peeling back what happened there. And you know, every morning you're going to wake up with new bullshit from Glenn Greenwald um, on Twitter, <laughs> and that you know, it's you cannot look at that and think that um, that. The, there's not progress because they, they're going to keep, you know, presenting their bullshit. Tucker Carlson's going to keep going every night. But do I, do I think that Tucker Carlson is still as strong as he was two years ago? I'm not sure anymore. I got to be honest with you. I don't know what the ratings are exactly. They may be as strong ratings wise, but do I think, I, I think that by, again, talking about saying the things that they don't want to hear in the framing, um, we, you know, these figures don't go out uh, in a very clear way. I'd say Tucker is actually probably the best case of somebody who's still strong. Um, but it, it takes time. Like this process with Alex Jones, I mean, this Sandy Hook lies are, go back, like, you know, over a decade, right? Well, they want you to get discouraged. They want you to think it's hopeless and nothing is working and nothing matters. And it is really easy to fall into that trap, but... It, I guess what you're saying is just keep going, keep doing it, keep keep fighting. And my fa- my favorite is is uh, this is a real deep cut. This is really only for 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 you guys. I probably wouldn't <laughs> if I'm listening to this, but like um, that dude uh, Joe Jordan, Eric Stryker, ah. uh, who's, yeah, uh, who is of course recently uh, made it to a terror watch list, um, which is not <laughs> a great way to end up in your 30s, uh, and um, <clears throat> you know he. He's blaming me for that, right? Oh. So he's like on television. And it's like not long ago, I was only telling me he was posting that I was ineffectual and couldn't do anything and I wasn't the real problem. That's why, that's why it's like it's all EDL now. They got nothing. He's got, you know, they got no power. And then within like a span of a few days, be like, I'm on the terror watch list because of Michael and his And it's like, well, do I? Do I have the capacity to? Do, am I am I like a, a like a, a cuck who can't do anything and I can't get anything going and I'm just trying to post and I'm just you know totally worth ignoring or did I push you on the terror watch list? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Seems like there's a pretty yawning gap between those two perceptions. No kidding. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is it, Joey? Which is it? <laughs> mm, wow, guy. He's a dumb fuck, man. Yes, agreed. Yes. Absolutely. That, that's, that, that, that's like one of the. I'm I, I miss him in a way. Like I feel like I've been I've I've, I've been, you know, they, they've become unimportant. Some of them, uh, like they, and that's the reporting. I was just saying, like I've seen it. That like, and, and this is a like something to give confidence to everybody uh, who's listening. Is I have seen I have seen like these very tactics 
uh, of staying on messaging and reporting and and continue to unearth true things, true things about people and stick to that. Uh, I have seen that work over time and and you you can't get a better example than uh, George, George is part of uh, the right stuff network now national justice party. Right. Um, and um you know, just look at, go, do yourself a favor. I, no, actually, don't. Just the people on the uh, who are hosted. Go to go 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 to Penovich's podcast website and go through the sidebar and just take a look at the regularity of the podcasts and the energy of that site and compare it to like 2017. Right. Just, you can't. You just can't miss it. I mean, they just they did a show called. It was like they have a show called Something and Jesse. Uh, Jesse is like one of the co-hosts. And the show they did recently, I just went to go check the website because because Jason Wilson and I were were laughing about them, and I was like, we got to see what like how long they they posted. And it's there's thing, it just is screenshot of whoever's name they cut out, and it just says and Jesse, um, and because only Jesse could do it, I guess. And, and <laughs> it's like the only podcast they had done, like really thing that they produced in like the last few days, and then. There was another, uh, yeah, and Jesse, and then there was, um, what was the other thing that was abusing? Uh, there, like, there have been, like, three Third Rail podcasts. That's the guy, Spectre. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like Spectre. Three Spectre, like, Third Rail podcasts in, since, like, October. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I mean, look, it's different when it's, uh, you know, if somebody has pet project they want to try something and they would do a podcast and then they're like i'm not really enjoying this i don't want to do it anymore or what that's different they, we're not talking about you're bored and you're trying we're talking about extra you know radical right figures who want to impose their will on people and you know harm people they perceive to be political enemies and the, for them to just bail and give up uh, that has a lot to do with the reporting, um, people bailing on them after the reporting and just, just sticking to the truth. Well, you have to, you have to take some credit there because, uh, their possible benefactor, Charlie Bosman fleeing to Russia and not coming <laughs> back certainly can't be helping the, uh, state of operations over there. That's a, well, well, we'll do that. Let's do, do a separate, uh, podcast. Absolutely. Hey, thank you, Michael. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for your, your time. Yeah, this has been fun. a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Absolutely. And we'd love to do a longer one at some point or whatever. Just talk about some of this other stuff. We'd love to have yeah, you I on mean, again. Ideally, we'd have you on every week. So you're pretty much always <laughs> welcome. Uh, just, uh, yeah. just let us know, man. Totally. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, Thanks, thank sir. you. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.